Uh, I'm not quite sure if these titles are quite relevant as these things evolved, but I, I think they probably will stand as far as the East is from the West, or not Brexit means Brexit, but redemption means redemption, okay? <laughs> because we certainly haven't got the assurance of the former, we certainly have the assurance of this one. Okay, um, it's a personal challenge. Do you know, I've joined a, a, a choir, it's a secular choir, I think we're done for now. Um, but we join this secular choir, and uh, we go and rehearse, and sometimes after the rehearsal we go to the pub, and we carry on singing. We sing the songs that we've been rehearsing over the periods of time. But actually, what happened one particular evening was there was a guy who's actually very established in this choir. He was going around, he wasn't actually being very nice, and he wasn't being very nice to me. At least I thought so. Now, you know, he might have been a little bit worse for the source, I don't know. He wasn't being particularly very nice, and I thought, he's not a very nice man. And it suddenly dawned on me things that God had been saying to me up to that. I don't know how long this stuff been brewing for, but I suddenly thought, hang on, I've made a serious judgment there. I said, he's not a very nice man. Who am I to judge? I might not be a very nice man to some people. So, um, I've got this, so it should work. There we go. So I questioned myself, so what is my yardstick? What's the thing I measure? What's my standard of measurement? Because Jesus said this, and this has really did hit me. I thought, oh, I know this verse. I've seen it, read it plenty of time. But when it hit me some time ago, it just suddenly hit me again in a new light. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Um, he said, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. The word judge there, actually, the Greek word there is actually the judge in the sense of um, condemnation or passing judgment. You may in other parts of the Bible see the word translated judge, and actually it comes from a different Greek word that means to assess or to weigh. But this one actually means passing judgment. It actually means, uh, I've got it in for you, you're, you're, you're going to suffer for this sort of judgment. And so I came up with a thought, thing, hang on, if God, Jesus is telling me not to judge, then I better not start judging people. I was very pleased uh, some time ago when somebody who was very close to me said, oh, I've started taking the family to church on Sunday morning, a local church. They don't live around here, they live quite a way away. And um, I was very happy about that because I'd been sort of working in with this person for a very long time, getting alongside them. As much as I can, we hardly ever see each other, so it's not a, a thing that's very easy to do. And so, sometime later, they came back and they came to see us again, and I said, um, so how's it getting on? How are you getting on in that church? He said, oh, we, we've left and gone to another one. Oh, really? Why is that? Well, a convicted paedophile started attending, and um, the leaders wouldn't send him away. So we thought we'd better take our children out of the church, and lots of other parents did as well. I thought, oh, I can kind of see that. But that's kind of based on fear, isn't it? And I'm just thinking, my hope would be that the reason why that particular person was attending that church is because he was in a state of repentance and he was wanting to turn his life around and take one that follows Jesus rather than the course that he was actually following previously. And I was thinking, if the leaders did reject him from that fellowship because of his past life, he may have gone to another one and the same thing may have happened there and the same thing may have happened to the next and the same thing may have happened to the next and so on. But the judgment had been passed and not by the people that mattered, I, I'm glad to say. But a sad story, and I'm just wondering how we would cope in such a situation. 
I don't know. I'm not going to go into that. Our whole society is based actually on people being judged. Our whole system of keeping law and order within the society is based on people being judged. We have the law. The law back in the times when Moses brought the first Ten Commandments written on stab tablets down from the mountain with what we know as the Ten Commandments, the start of what we now call the law. Our society's laws are kind of based on that, but they're not, as we'll see in a minute. No, some of them, but not all of them. And the thing about the law is, the Ten Commandments particularly, is all of them except that one there, honour your mother and father, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord gives you, Michael and Stephen. All the others, all the other nine, have a do not. They're all kind of negative. They're telling you what not to do. This one tells you what you should do, Daniel. Possibly this one, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Okay, so that don't have a do not in, but it actually does. It says you don't work on a Sunday. You don't work on a Sabbath. Do not. No football on the Sabbath. Now, on a Sunday morning, and we used to go home, have a spot of lunch, and then Michael, Stephen and I used to hop in the car, go over to Seven Kings Park, and we used to play a game of football, remember that? Uh, so, I really think we're now done for. <laughs> That's it. It totally disqualifies me from even standing here and talking to you. Um, so, and Michael and Stephen too, they, they, that's it. And Julia too, because she was complicit in the thing. So she didn't discourage us from this at all. So we're, that's it, as far as I'm concerned. Or is it? Well, the fact of the matter is that when we went to play football, a number of church leaders went as well. <laughs> and uh, joining in with us in that game were a number of people who were no, nothing whatever to do with the church. And we were able to get alongside them. And they could see that we were part of a community. I don't know what effect it had on them, but gladly, that's not my concern. That's something that we did and hopefully God has dealt with. But Jesus had a few common standards, so um, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Holy, that's a standard measure that Eric Little seemed to have there. Um, by the way, I'm not judging him. <laughs> um, but here's the others. should not murder not commit adultery, and it's not all of them. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. In other words, lie against your neighbour. There, there are others, of course, which I'm just picking on just five of them. But they're common ones. But Jesus had quite a different set of views on this. Regardless of the one with adultery, he talks about the fact that it's not physically committing the act of adultery, but it's something that actually comes from within. He was taking it from the heart, not from the action. And I'm just wondering how easy some of these things are not to do. We'll look at that in a moment. Um, we will often find people in our society going to prison for a very long time for committing murder. I wonder how many actually go to prison for committing adultery. So I don't think we got it right quite, have we? Here's about the thing about the Sabbath. And the man whose hand was withered they questioned Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. And he said to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? 
And uh, shortly after seeing that film for the first time, the Chariots of Fire film, it was in the early 80s, we had a friend, either he was living with us, I can't remember, or he was certainly hanging around with us a lot, a guy from university, I was at university. And we used to go to the cinema on a Monday evening sometimes because it was cheap at the Leicester Square Odeon. It was a cheap deal. And we used to go in and um, we saw a double bill, Chariots of Fire and um, The Elephant Man. I think. <laughs> but anyway, we saw Chariots of Fire. And my friend was very taken with this idea of not doing stuff on the Sabbath. And so he resolved, therefore, not to do things on a Sunday. And sometime later, I, my car had broken down. I got this new car, not new, it was an old beat-up Mini with holes in the floor. But I got this car, and it had an electrical fault on the Sunday, and I needed it on the Monday. And he was studying electrical engineering at university. I was just a lowly mechanical engineer. I could do the mechanical bits. And I thought, how am I going to get him to help me? So I said to him, would you consider helping me dig my sheep out of a pit? And he did. <laughs> he came and helped me. We fixed the car. Um, so Jesus' words are a little bit more powerful than us, that. Um, but we ask ourselves the question, we don't want to do these things. We don't want to commit adultery. We don't want to kill people. We do not want to lie. But is there a barrier to that endeavour? Yes, there is. It's the flesh. Now, I'm going to, I've used the word the flesh. And people who haven't been around for a long time and fairly new Christians might not understand what we mean by the flesh. Let's, let's, let's put some flesh on the bones. Um, <laughs> it means the human nature. Okay? That's what it means. It's our, it's our bodies, our bodily desires, it's our needs some of which need to be met, but it's, it's our human nature. It's a barrier. Paul had a conflict. He talks about this in Romans 7. In fact, the whole book of Romans seems to be about this kind of, this whole thing, really, certainly up to the first eight chapters. Um, he says, I'm very happy with the law. I joyfully concur with it. It's a great thing. It's, it's nice to know what it is you shouldn't do. But I see a different law working inside me, in parts of my body, and it's waging war against the law that's in my head and it's making me a prisoner to the law of sin which is in my body that's the barrier that's the conflict so um, if we live according to the human nature these are our standards of measure if I want to do it why shouldn't I if it feels alright then it must be alright it's not harming anyone then surely it's alright I've heard people say such things about things that don't fit within my value system um, I'm trying hard not to judge them. And I say that because I still find it hard not to judge them. Even though Jesus tells me I shouldn't. I find it very hard indeed. I need help. I'm sure you've got it all sorted. But I haven't. Um, so let's see what God's actual standards are. And let's compare them to ours. Right, here is a scale. Uh, I don't want to distract from the very um, serious point I want to make with this. But I think we should have a little bit of fun with it, nonetheless. Um, down here is quite minor, this side. And over there is quite severe. All right, that way. Okay. So you might want to say that way or that way to the game that we're going to play. Let's rate the sin as an important point. So let's start. Shall we have our first sin? Which way? Working on the Sabbath. Higher? Lower, 
lower, lower, lower. Okay, let's see. Now, this is kind of my opinion, but I think you might be concurring with me on this. Can we have our next sin, please? These little paths on PowerPoint have these little acceleration things in them, so it doesn't look like they're moving. Right, okay. Yeah, would you, yeah? Yeah, it depends what the other sins are, really, doesn't it? I mean, I haven't given you the full list to start with, but actually I did earlier on, if you were paying attention. A little lie. A little white lie. Higher or lower? Yeah, it's looking quite high. It's looking quite high. Oh, See, you might disagree with me on some of these. And the very last sin would be... Stealing, stealing yes. And, of course, pointless doing a, it, there's only one place that can go. Where would you put yourself on that scale? And where would we tend to put others? Where would you put God? Where's God's righteousness in comparison to that scale? Way off down there, I think. So, okay, let's see if we can find him. Not far enough yet, are we? Have another go. Still not far enough. How far can we keep going? Still not far enough. Still not far enough. But what's happened to our little list of sins? What's happened to them? They all club together. As far as God is concerned, he doesn't put that scale on. Sin to him is sin. But he has a way out of it. And that's the important thing. Because he sent his son Jesus. He's, he's, he's redeemed us. Redemption does actually mean redemption. It doesn't matter where you are on the original scale. Because we're not driven by the law. And we struggle because we might be driven by the flesh. But Paul goes on to say in that Romans scripture that it's the spirit that is the thing that helps you and helps us all deal with the flesh. It is the spirit that turns those do-nots into a whole load of opposite do's. God's standard of measure is nothing but perfect righteousness. But he sacrificed his son and so that perfect righteousness is perfect love. Because in spite of where we were on that scale, he looks upon us very, very differently because of what he's done through Jesus. He can no longer apply them. He has sent them far away, as far as the east is from the west. And the Spirit becomes our new standard, because that's the only way we can ever hope to fill his commandments. Our minds can't do it. Our flesh won't do it. <laughs> so it's only the Spirit that can help us. So here's the good news, then. There's no condemnation. There is no judgment upon us. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as though it was through the flesh, God did send in his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. I'm nearly done, but I'd like to look at Psalm 103, I think. Yes, there it is. This is Psalm 103 about verse 9. This is really a thing that was promised before Jesus actually physically came to the earth. So this is the prophecy on which we base this. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us, with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, the things we do wrong. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. Do you know, as a scientist, I, I know that's true. We're just a bunch of molecules welded together. The thing that makes us 
in the image of God is the fact that he breathed his spirit within us. Without that, we're just goo, we're flesh. Organic compounds glued together with physical forces in a very special way. Except for one thing, God's put his spirit within us. So I think that, I'll leave you with one thought. It was Romans that really, Paul talks about this whole conflict, but it kind of begins near Romans 2, first verse of Romans 2. He says, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. So come and join me for a game of football on this afternoon or something.